You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Welcome, welcome in to another episode of Theology for the Rest of Us. If you're new, let me introduce myself. My name is Kenny, and I'm coming at you from the beautiful state of Florida. I live in the Orlando region. That's right, in the backyard of Mickey Mouse himself. Today is March 15th. This is episode 41. Today is actually primary election day here in the state of Florida. Uh, I voted this morning. I'm not going to tell you who I voted for. I may in future episodes talk about the election that is coming up here in the United States, Uh, but that's another topic for another day. Today's topic, very important and somewhat controversial. As you can see, the title of the episode is Why Christians Should Stop Tithing Immediately. This is episode 41, and we've covered a variety of controversial topics, so not afraid to mention these sort of topics or, or tackle these sort of topics. Uh, I'm going to give you some really quality biblical thoughts on that. Before I dive into that, I just want to remind everyone, please subscribe to the podcast. If you're new, maybe you stumbled upon the podcast uh, on Facebook or Twitter, maybe you're on our website right now. Uh, on theologyfortherestofus.com. If you are, if you're streaming this off the web, maybe you found us on Twitter and you click the link and it opened up the website, uh, you should see under the streaming bar, you'll see a little a little link that says subscribe with iTunes or subscribe with Android. Can you do me a huge favor? Click that button and actually subscribe. That does two things. One, it makes sure that every episode gets delivered directly to your device. That way you don't have to go looking for it. Uh, also, it helps us out a ton. The more subscriptions we have, the further up the search rankings that we are when people are searching keywords in iTunes and the other directories. So if you hit that subscribe button, uh, no matter what app you're using, whether you're a podcast user, Android user, if you're using Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or whatever, Please make sure you are subscribed. That is a big, big deal. Thank you very, very much. All right, let's dive into this very important topic. Uh, I, I, I purposely titled the episode in a way that might get people's attention. And I apologize. Maybe that some people will call that clickbait. Um, I'm not trying to be provocative, uh, but I do think this is very important. I wanted to get as many people's attention as possible. That's why I, I purposely labeled it the way I did. And I also want to give you a quick heads up before I dive in that this episode is definitely going to be longer than most of my other episodes, Um, but I just want to make sure that I I thoroughly cover the topic and I answer the questions that have been asked of me as as good as possible, as well as possible, uh, because this is really, really important. So I do apologize in advance. This episode is longer than normal, but I really, really believe this is going to be really valuable and you're really going to take away some quality information. Okay, let's dive into the meat of this. Right off the bat, let me say this. I believe that Christians should never, ever tithe. However, okay, there's a caveat. Don't ever tithe, but I believe Christians should be the biggest givers that the world has ever seen. Let me unpack that for a moment. The The literal word tithe is, a, is an old English word that talks about one-tenth. And so in the Old Testament, there is a Hebrew word. Um, The word is masar. I believe I'm pronouncing that properly. The word masar 
is typically referred to as a tenth or or one tenth of. And there are many Bible scholars and many Bible translators that say that that term, masar, should be translated one tenth or ten percent. Um, and, and that is probably accurate, but, but it's not that clear. I want to make also, you know, just want to, just want to be honest about the text. When we look at the language in the Hebrew, we see it, it, some, it's some room for it meaning something slightly different than that. And so the literal Hebrew word there, it, it probably does mean approximately 10%, but it's not at this precise number. It's, it's, it, a, a better translation would be, a portion, okay? And and in every time this word is used in the Old Testament, it's referring to a chunk or a portion of your goods um, that are valuable to you. So it doesn't just mean 10%. It means a portion of what you have that is significant. Because to some people, 10% is not significant. To some people, 10% is monstrous. And I think it depends on who you are, how much money you have, and your, your individual circumstances. 10% might be a big deal, 10% might not. So the Bible is not just saying 10%. The Bible is saying a a portion that is significant to you, a a chunk. And it is, and in most cases, probably somewhere in the vicinity of about one-tenth. The first time we see this word appear in the Bible, um, from my study, I can, it's, it, you know, again, it's in the Bible many times. The first time I find it is Genesis chapter 14, verse 20. Uh, Abram, right, this is uh, the man who eventually would be called Abraham. But Abram goes off to war. He's in the middle of some battles. He comes back. He meets this man, Melchizedek, who is a, a priest. The Bible calls him the priest of the Most High God, okay? And and, and this priest recognizes that Abram um, is in covenant with God, that Abram is serving the one true God. Melchizedek is a priest of the one true God, the, the God that you know of the Bible. Um, precisely how Melchizedek became a priest and all the details about that um, are, are not 100% clear in Scripture. It's a little fuzzy, but but there's this interaction between Abram and Melchizedek. You can read about it in Genesis 14. And at the end of that interaction, Abram gives Melchizedek ten, approximately 10% or, or, or about you know a tenth of all of the goods that he had acquired from battle. Which is a, this is a pretty significant deal, right? There was no commands on Abraham at this point to give. There's no commands upon him uh, to tithe, but he just, of his own desire, of his own volition, determines to give Melchizedek as a form of offering, gives him a chunk. Now we don't know why Abraham picked this particular number. Excuse me, he was at the time called Abram. Uh, we don't know why Abram uh, gave this particular amount of money. We don't know why he did that. You know, the, the, how he came up with that portion. We're not precisely privy to that, but we do know that Abram tithed or gave one-tenth or a portion of his goods, a chunk of it, approximately a tenth to the, the most high priest or the, excuse me, the priest of the most high Melchizedek. Now, fast forward several hundreds of years uh, into the future. We have the people of Israel in the promised land. They've, you know, they were slaves in Egypt for several hundred years they were brought out of that, wandered around the desert for 40 years, and then they were brought uh, into the promised land led by Joshua. And, and in this time frame, when they're you know, being led by Moses uh, out, of the, out of the land of Egypt and, and into the promised land, 
Uh, God gives them several rules and regulations that they are to follow. And then after they are in the promised land for many, many years, God gives them some very clear expectations. And one of them was this idea of, of, of the tithe. Or, you know, the word in the Hebrew, as I said, masar, that we translate as tithe. Now, and this is mentioned several times. We see this in Leviticus 27, verse 30, uh, Numbers chapter 18, verse 26, Deuteronomy 14, 24, 2 Chronicles 31, 5. And then the most famous one that's often quoted uh, by people today, uh, in my opinion, slightly out of context, uh, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. So those are, but the tithe is well established. Now, Make sure you understand clearly how the Jewish people were to follow the tithe, and that is this: they were to they were to give a portion of the the money or the crops that they made off of the land. Right? The tithe was tied to the land of Israel, the promised land, because God had given them the promised land, this nation, this country, and as a form of gratitude, they were to then give back a portion from the land because God, the land belonged to God. God gave it to them, and then they were then to give back to God a portion of what the land gave them. The tithe was tied to the money or the crops they made from the land, not all income. If they made any money or any other income outside of living off the land of Israel, that there doesn't seem to be an expectation of tithing from those monies. It would make that clear. In addition to that, the tithe wasn't just 10%. There were actually multiple tithes in the in the Old Testament. Uh, there was one tithe for the Levites, so that the Levites were the priests. They were the ones running the temple. And the people were supposed to bring one-tenth to, to the temple to, to take care of the needs of the Levites because they weren't working. They were focused on being priests, and so they needed to be provided for. Uh, the needs of the temple and things like sacrifices. So there are a variety of things. In addition to that, after that first tenth went away, went, went to the Levites, they were then supposed to set aside another tenth for the use of, of the temple and feast. So these large feasts, they would celebrate what God had done. They were all different kind of uh, festivals that would happen over the course of the year. They were supposed to give a tenth toward that. And then after that, they were then supposed to leave a, a tenth of, of their property, a tenth of their crops, um, unprotected so that the poor people who lived amongst them could come and pick food and could get food. So if you actually calculate this out, it ends up being about 23 or 24%, not 10%. Okay. So if you want to be someone that says Christians have to tithe, then the number is not 10%. It's actually 24%. And it's very particular, right? Uh, a portion of it went to the Levites for the, the priest, the, 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 the leaders of the religious institution. Another portion went to uh, temple activities and festivals and celebrations. And then another portion were given to those in need, the poor on the land. So that, that that's how the, the tithe was. And it was a law. If, if you didn't tithe in Israel, you would be subject to punishment. Now, I want to make it very clear. Um, because we no longer live under the law of the Old Testament, we are not obligated to follow that. We don't live in the promised land today. So we are not subjected to the laws of the tithe of the Old Testament. That was only for those people living in the promised land. However, there is a great principle that we learn from this. The principle of the Old Testament was that God gave them something, and therefore as a form of gratitude and worship, they took a portion of that and gave it back to God. And that does apply to us. The principles that God established in the Old Testament most certainly still apply to Christians today. 
And that is that God has given us many great things. In fact, the book of James, uh, the, the book written by the little brother of Jesus, says that all good gifts come from above. Like anything good in your life has come from God. You didn't earn it on your own. God gave it to you. God gave you the ability to do the things that bring in those wages. You may say, well, I earned my money. Yeah, you may have earned it, but you earned it with a brain and some gifts and some talents that God gave you. And and you've earned that money because God has allowed you to be born in a place that allowed you to earn that money, okay? So if you have anything good in your life, it's because God orchestrated that on your behalf and as a form of gratitude and as a form of worship, you ought to take a portion of that and give it back to him. Now, we are never commanded to tithe. So the system of the Old Testament does not apply to you. But there is many times in the New Testament where Christians are expected to give. Right? When I say Christians don't tithe, I don't mean the Christians don't give. No, 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 no. In fact, I would say that Christians should be giving more than the tithe. Right? The tithe is a good start, but my gosh, it better not stop there. We as Christians should be extremely generous. There are many times in the New Testament that we are expected to be people who give. Many times in the book of Acts and other times um, the apostles allude to it in the epistles that of money being collected to do certain things. We see in the book of Acts uh, multiple times of people selling things and bringing it to the church and allowing the church leaders to use that money to, to you know, supply the needs of the church. Anytime someone in the church was in need, someone else in the church would would sell something they owned and give them that money to help provide for them. We, we see, uh, we see. In fact, the ex not, not sorry, sorry, not the expectation, but we see it, it was normal. It what it was not abnormal for people to give extravagant extravagant gifts. Uh, related to this is one of the most favorite famous stories in the book of Acts in Acts five. Ananias and Sapphira, um, they sold a bunch of their land and they lied and said all the money was given to the church because. They wanted to be like everyone else. They wanted to they wanted to look like they were being spiritual. So they sold the land and gave a bunch of the money to the church, but they kept a little back. But they lied and said that they had given it all to God. And God, you know, is very angry about that. It doesn't go well for them. You can read about that in Acts chapter 5. But but the point of that story is this, you can see that it doesn't seem abnormal in the early church for people to be selling things they own and giving huge chunks of money, being extremely extravagant with their giving. We see in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44, Jesus tells a story about this, about a woman who is, uh, who gives, uh, um, who gives you know a small amount of money to offer. Let me read to you real quick. It says um, that Jesus was sitting down by the treasury box and he's watching people put money. Many rich people put large sums and a poor woman came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. I, I did some quick math, by the way. Um, the, what, what she put in, the, the, the coins that she put in was worth about one sixty-fourth of a denarii. A denarii was the average wage that you could make in one day. Um, if you were a laborer. So I just did some quick math. What she put in the offering box that day in our contemporary setting would probably be worth about $2.90. Eh, I may be way off on that, but basically a small amount of money. Um, other people are coming up. They're giving huge amounts of money. They're giving thousands of dollars. They're giving these huge amounts. And Jesus does not seem impressed. Jesus says this, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put more in than all of those you are contributing. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she gave out of her poverty. 
You see, Jesus is not impressed when we give out of our abundance. This is the reason why when we say we should give 10%, we end up in trouble because, because 10% or approximately you know, uh, you know, a, a tenth is really easy for some and not really easy for others. Right, This woman was giving and she was sacrificing. It hurt her to give because she gave the very last penny. And Jesus is impressed by that. But the people who have a lot, even though they give a lot, Jesus is clearly not all that impressed by that. Let me give you an example. Let's say you make $30,000 a year, but you're a single person. Let's say you are an unmarried, single guy. You're 25 years old, no kids. You live in a small apartment. Um, and you make 30 grand a year, chances are on 30 grand a year, you probably live, live like a king. All right. I mean, like if, for a single dude living on his own, $30,000 is a lot of money and you could eat out every day at Taco Bell and Chili's or whatever you want to do. And you could still live pretty good. But let's say you're a, a married couple combined making $35,000 a year and you've got three kids. Let me tell you, uh, $35,000 a year to raise a family on is it's virtually impossible in our modern society in the United States. I mean, it's extremely difficult, right? You are struggling paycheck to paycheck. Now, the the, the kid who's making 30, the 25-year-old who's making 30 grand a year, if he gives 10%, he gives $3,000. Mm, if I'm honest, that's not a really big deal. That's not that's not a big sacrifice. It's I mean, maybe it hurts a little bit, and it's good to give that. That's good, but, but it's, it doesn't really hurt him all that much. You can, he could probably swing it pretty easily. But the married couple who's raising a family on $35,000 a year, if they give 10%, man, that's going to hurt. What if they can't afford that? What, what if just their bills are too much and they say, well, we're only going to give 3000 a year. We're only going to give, you know, 7 or 8%, okay? Um, I didn't do the math on what 3000 is on 35000 right? Let's let's say, okay, that's, yeah, it's about 8.5%. Okay, so technically speaking, they're only, if they're only giving 8.5%, and the kid is the the twenty five year old is giving ten percent, but they're both giving the same amount. They're both giving three thousand dollars. I would say that God is way more impressed with those who gave the eight and a half percent than the kid who gave the ten percent, because they were struggling and it was tight for them. Let me give you another example. What if, what about someone's raising a family but they make two hundred thousand dollars a year, um, and they decide they want to give ten percent? Well, if you give two hundred thousand, even after taxes, uh, if you make two hundred thousand, you give away twenty thousand. Even after taxes, man, you still have over hundred grand. You're, you're still living a pretty good lifestyle. You know, you're, you're giving out of your abundance. That's and that's good. Thank you for giving, but that it doesn't really hurt you all that much. Let's be honest, right? And what Jesus is telling us is that when we give, God is impressed when we give, when it hurts. And so I never tell people to tithe. I tell people to give until it hurts. For some people, that's going to be five percent. For some people, that's going to be fifty percent. Yeah, I know that sounds extreme. Yes, 50%. Give until it hurts. We see also in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul talks about um, giving, um, you know, setting aside money every week to be able to give to the mission of other churches in other cities, 1 Corinthians 16.2. We see in 2 Corinthians 9.7, Paul says that God loves a cheerful giver, right? If you're giving because you feel like you have to and you're upset about it, keep your money, okay? God doesn't need your money that much, I promise you, right? He doesn't need your money at all, actually. God is saying, listen, I want you to give because you're excited to give. And I want you to give until it hurts a little bit. All right. But you should be excited to give until it hurts. Why? Because God gave until it hurt. Right. This, the Trinity, God in, in heaven, rips himself apart. And, and God comes down to planet Earth. He crawls into an, an infant body. Talk about cramped. Right. 
and he and he lives among us, subjected to all the things that we brought upon ourselves. He dies a brutal death for our sins, and he resurrects from the dead and makes a way for us to have friendship with God, right? John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That God is a God that gives until it hurts, and God expects his people to give until it hurts. And God cheerfully and lovingly gave himself for us and God expects his people to cheerfully and lovingly give of themselves for the gospel. Man, this is really important. So we should give till it hurts. Now, where should we give? There's a couple different ways to give. One, we should give money to whatever local community we're a part of. People are like, well, you just want us to give money to the church? Yeah, I want you to give money to the church. Here's why. One, because uh, the Bible does talk about giving money so that people can focus. Listen, it's okay for pastors to have a job outside the church, but every now and then we need to have pastors that focus just on building the church. And if they have another job, it's hard to do that. So it's okay to give money so that the, so that they don't have to work an outside job. We can pay them a salary. First Timothy 5.18 and 1 Corinthians 9 talk about this. Now, with that stated, 1 Timothy 3 also talks about the elders of the church needing to be above reproach. Reproach talks about, you know, is the idea of, of a credible disgrace, right? You want to make sure that anytime someone may look down on the church for something you do, you need to be above that. Be very cautious of that. That's an extremely important thing that all Christians should be working towards. However, it is a mandate upon church leaders and pastors. And so if you drive a really expensive car or you live in a really big fat mansion and, and you, you live a lifestyle that looks like extravagance, it's going to look like people are paying money and you're taking it from them. Right? People who are struggling financially are giving money to the church and the church has this nice new ride or excuse me, the pastor has this nice new ride or a big old mansion and it makes the church look bad. You are not being above reproach. So I'm not saying you can't own a house if you're a pastor and I'm not saying you can't drive a nice car. And that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is Every pastor must look at how he's living his life, his lifestyle, and say, okay, what, what am I doing that might potentially bring disgrace to the church? And look if you can eliminate that or limit that. If you are a church leader of any kind, be cautious. Be above reproach. That's all. If you're going to get up on a stage and demand that people give, then you've got to be cautious on how we spend that money. And I'm not, and that's not just on a personal level. That's on any level, right? If you're a church leader and you're spending money, make sure you're very cautious, all right? So we as Christians should give money to our local church. Um, this is really important. You know, we see in the Bible, in the book of Acts and through the epistles, the local church collecting money and then dispersing it for the needs of the church. We also see different things in the church being established, different programs, so to speak, right? We see in the book of Acts, the, the widows being taken care of and the and the, uh, the the poor being taken care of. We see different programs. We see Paul collecting money from certain churches and taking it to other churches, right? And so I think sometimes some people are like, well, I'm not going to give money to the church. I'm just going to give money directly. And it's okay to give money directly, but sometimes there are needs that the church knows about that you don't know about. And sometimes there are things that the church can do that you don't have the expertise to do. Okay. So an example at our, I'm a part of a local church here in Orlando. That's awesome. That 25 to 30% of our general budget went to, to churches outside of our church. So church plants, missionaries, charitable causes 
outside. Most churches in America, it's like three or 4%, but the church I'm a part of is about 25 to 30%, which is awesome. I'm not bragging. I'm just excited to be a part of that church, the church that does that. And so, but I, listen, when there's money being given to a church plant, let's say in Philip, the Philippines, I'm not an expert in the Philippines. Okay. I don't know how to give money to a church plant in the Philippines, but the missions pastor at our church, he does. So I trust him. So I give money to the church and then I trust they're going to then disperse it appropriately. Cause so some people say, well, I'm not going to give money to the church. I'm only going to give to charities or to missions myself. And that's okay. However, there are lots of opportunities to give that you don't know about, that you can't reach, that only the local church as an organization can reach. You're not an expert in everything. Don't be arrogant enough to believe that you know how to give to every single thing in the world because you don't. It's very important. So we, we give to the local church because the local church needs to be built up and we need people to focus on the local church. So we need to pay them salaries. We need money to help build the local church and the church leaders need to be very cautious and good stewards and be responsible on how they spend that money. In addition, the local church should be giving money to other churches and to missions overseas and we should be giving them the money to do that. We also should be giving money directly to people, to other organizations. It's perfectly acceptable to give money to places like Compassion. I have, you know, I, I'm a bit, been for many years a giver uh, to Compassion. Um, I also give to missionaries. There are several missionary friends of mine that have gone overseas. I have friends in places like the Philippines, places like places in Africa, places in Turkey. I've got friends that live overseas and I give them money on a monthly basis every month because I believe in what they're doing. And I believe it's my expectation or God's expectation upon me to give to them. So you should be giving to your local church and you should be giving to people directly and you should be giving to other organizations. And why do we do this? All of our giving is done as an act of worship. God gives us great things. So we give back to him and we give it back to him through giving to other people that are serving God. Um, and again, this is a model of what God did. God gave, so we give. Very, very important. The other reason why it's really important to give um, is because it because it, it kind of loosens our heart, right? Whenever we put money in something, we care about it, right? When I, I used to own stock in Whole Foods, and I remember every time I drive by Whole Foods, I'd pay attention to how many cars were in the parking lot, right? Whenever we put our money somewhere, we care about it. Jesus said this. Jesus said that wherever your treasure is, there where your heart shall be also. Like whenever you put your money and resources into something, you're going to care about it more. And so many times we idolize materials. We, we idolize resources. We idolize status. And God hates that. God wants us to only love him in that way. God wants us to, I'm going to use the word idolize him, right? God wants, and I mean by that is like, God wants us to think about him and to love him and to worship him and to be crazy about him. That's what God wants most. That's what God is crazy about. That's what God is consumed by. God is the most important thing of the universe and beyond. And therefore we should think he's the most important thing in the universe and beyond. When you give, it, it, it keeps your heart from loving things more than God. The point is not how much you give or necessarily who you give it to. The point is that you take portions of your resources, your money, your time, your expertise, and that you give it away in such a way that the gospel will be expanded and that you give those resources to people that are doing great work for God. This is extremely, extremely important.
The last question I'll answer, and I think I've already probably kind of alluded to this quite a bit, but the people ask, you know, what is the amount I should give? And, and that answer is going to be very different from person to person. You know, what percentage you give. If you determine you want to give 5% of your income to your local church and 5% to overseas missions and 5% to local, you know, a homeless charity in your community and it totals 15%, then great. If you're cheerful and excited about that and, and it hurts you a little bit to give that, then awesome. Um, if you decide you want to give, you know, uh, you know, 30% to your local church and nowhere else, that's fine too. If you decide you want to give 3% to your local church and then you want to take on 20 compassion kids, right? Um, you know, and, and makes up 27% of your income, what, you know, whatever. To me, I'm not saying it has to be this. I know there are a lot of pastors and a lot of preachers that will say, well, you got to give to the church first and then above and beyond that. In fact, you'll hear this in churches. You'll say, you know, tithes and offerings. Your tithes go to the local church. That's the mandated 10%, but your offerings is anything you want to give above and beyond that. And, you know, and, and that's real. And I gotta, I gotta say with all due respect, that is a flawed view. It is a misunderstanding of the term and the concept of the tithe. There is nowhere in the New Testament, nowhere where we are mandated to follow that system. That was a system that was for the Jewish people living in Israel. And again, it wasn't 10%. It was it was almost 24%. And each portion was specifically allotted for very specific things. Let me close with this. There's an incredible book I want to recommend for everyone to read. This is one of my top 10 must-read books of all time. It's called The Treasure Principle by a guy named Randy Alcorn. He says this, God blesses you not to raise your standard of living, but to raise your standard of giving. Man, what a great truth. Anything you have in your life, it's not because God just wants you to live a nice, good life, okay? God is a good God. He's gracious. He gives us good gifts. Absolutely. However, that's not the primary reason, okay? God doesn't give you a nice car just so you could drive around in a nice car. No, God gives you a nice car so you can use it to somehow spread the gospel, right? God doesn't give you a good job just so you can just buy a nice house and be excited about that. No, God gives you a nice job so you can have extra money so you can give, right? God doesn't give you a promotion at work and a raise so that you can have more money in your bank account. No, God gives you a promotion and a raise so that you can give more money away to the things that he wants you to give to. I say Christians should give huge amounts of money generously, cheerfully, sacrificially. And God does not bless us just to raise our standard of living, but to, to, but to raise our standard of giving. What a truth. If you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, stop tithing and start giving generously, not just out of your abundance, but give until it hurts. That's my challenge to all of you out there today. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Again, I apologize that it's gone so long. This obviously is much longer than the majority of our episodes. I just felt like there was just so much content. I couldn't get it down, and I wanted to share all of this uh, you know, with you in the most thorough way possible. So thanks for hanging with me. Thanks for listening. I sure hope this has been insightful. I also hope it's challenging to you. Again, go back and check out the book, The Treasure Principle. Hey, if you've listened to this episode and you don't like what I have to say, maybe you disagree with me, feel free to shoot me an email and let me know. The best way to reach me is heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. 
Com. Go to the uh, you know, or go to the site, or shoot me an email and let me know. Hey, Kenny, I think you're wrong. Would love to hear that. Maybe you're a pastor listening to this and you disagree. Uh, I'd love to welcome some dialogue. Maybe have you on the show. We can we can dialogue about why you think I'm wrong. I'm I'm excited uh, to have those kind of conversations. Also, if you have a question, no matter what it is, whether it's related to this topic or any other topic of theology or the Bible at all, if you have a question that you'd like to have answered on the podcast. You can also send an email to that same email address, heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. Shoot me an email, and I promise that every single email that we get, we will do an episode related to that topic. It may take a while because we've got uh, several weeks of episodes already in the queue, planned and ready to go. However, uh, please send an email, and I will address it on the podcast. I promise. If you'd like to connect with me personally, the best way to do that is on Twitter. You can find me at Kenneth Ortiz. That's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. Our intro and outro theme music has been I'm Shipping Up to Boston by the Dropkick Murphys. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm a sailor!